Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com. Welcome to the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature. You know, a lot of people say that people of color are not interested or involved in environmental issues. What I have found is that people are interested in the issues that directly impact their lives and their health and safety. And so for eight years, we had about 200 people coming out monthly to hold the city accountable about how this plant was going to operate. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. Somewhere in a typical American city, a woman wakes up to the noxious odors of a nearby sewage treatment plant. While making breakfast for her 12-year-old daughter, she reminds her to carry her rescue inhaler in case she has another asthma attack at school. She takes her kindergartner to the clinic for blood tests to determine whether lead poisoning could be related to his acting out. One thing is for sure. She's sick and tired of being sick and tired. Her neighbors feel the same. But, she wonders, how can people from this kind of neighborhood, almost invariably a low-income community or a community of color, ever hope to change things for the better? At the clinic, she picks up a flyer announcing a meeting at the church down the street. The flyer promises everyone a place at the table where decisions are being made about such important community issues. It's as organizers will teach community members how to effectively participate in the political, environmental, social, and economic decisions affecting their lives. At this meeting, she will join with hundreds of her neighbors. She will find her voice in the environmental justice movement to demand equal access to clean water, clean air, equal environmental enforcement and protection, and equitable land use and planning. My community was embattled, and they needed to have a voice for themselves. And my Harlem neighbors elected me and empowered me to organize its voice. And it was really an important coincidence that many of those community concerns were those of the environment in our community being used as a dumping ground for the rest of elite Manhattan. Peggy Shepard co-created New York City's first environmental justice organization to help the residents of West Harlem find their voices and take action. She's an elder community organizer. She helped spawn the now widespread multicultural and faith-based coalitions to improve environmental health and quality of life for low-income communities and communities of color across the United States. Instead of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, these courageous communities have taken to heart the words of labor organizer Joe Hill. Don't waste any time in mourning. Organize. Join us for Don't Mourn, Organize, 
power and passion for environmental justice and democracy with Peggy Shepard and Mary Gonzalez. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Beginning as a journalist in the 1970s, Peggy Shepard moved to New York City to work in publishing, then took a job as a government speechwriter. At a recent Bioneers conference, she described her path to politics. It all began after attending a meeting for Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition presidential campaign in 1984. And working in the Jesse Jackson campaign was a life-changing pursuit for me. I walked into an organizing meeting and walked out as the public relations director for the Manhattan campaign and uh, began organizing and working in the Rainbow Coalition, pulling together young people and progressives, white, black, Latino, all over the city. It was an incredible, life-changing experience for me. So politics really gave me a closer view of power and democracy at work or not at work in communities, really got to understand those communities that had strong advocacy and strong benefits and those that had none of that and had all of the burdens. So I took the opportunity to run for a Democratic Party position called District Leader. We ran under the banner of Let's Chart a New Course, Leadership for a Change, Shepard served as Democratic district leader for eight years, from 1985 to 1993. Something happened during her term that set her on the path to community organizing. West Harlem residents were concerned about the new North River sewage treatment plant being built in their neighborhood. In her role as district leader, Peggy Shepard began working to hold the city accountable. The first issues when I started doing outreach and community residents, you know, coming into the campaign, the first thing they said was, what are you going to do about that sewage treatment plant? And I said, what sewage treatment plant? They said, well, this plant's going up in the Hudson, and we need jobs there. I didn't know a lot about the environment. I thought it was about jobs. And so I went about getting people hired there. We got 30 people hired. And then when the plant really began operations, we found out that the real issue was the odors and emissions. And as soon as it began operating, people who lived across the street from it began to get ill. They had shut their windows. The kids couldn't go out to the park that's right along Riverside Drive. And it really became a public nuisance. And we realized that the neighborhood was being used as a dumping ground for a variety of polluting facilities that really serviced elite Manhattan. And we were the dumping ground for the sewage treatment plants, the diesel bus depots, any kind of waste transfer stations, all of those things. So we realized that we needed to institutionalize an advocacy voice in the community that would be a resource base for the neighborhood and begin to be proactive about the sustainability of that community. You know, a lot of people say that people of color are not interested or involved in environmental issues. What I have found is that people are interested in the issues that directly impact their lives and their health and safety. And this was one of those issues. 
And so for eight years, we had about 200 people coming out monthly to hold the city accountable about how this plant was going to operate. Working with the Natural Resources Defense Council, We Act filed a lawsuit against the city and won a settlement of $1.1 million. And the city was ordered to spend $55 million more to curb the odors and emissions from the plant. Social justice advocates in West Harlem had begun to find their voices and build their clout. Meanwhile, in 1991, Shepard helped gather the first National People of Color Environmental Leadership Summit. The summit developed the 17 principles of environmental justice, as well as a mandate for community-based grassroots organizing, and contributed to the birth of indigenous, Asian Pacific Islander, Northeast, and Southern networks. We ACT used a grant from the Million Dollar Settlement to start documenting health problems in the neighborhood. One of the first questions the community asked is, what are we being exposed to? So we reached out to head of pulmonary medicine at Harlem Hospital and said, do you notice that any more people from the West Harlem area are coming into the emergency room for respiratory problems? We thought that might be a good place to start. At the time, and and this is one thing you have to get used to, working with data collection, they weren't collecting data like that. Hadn't really thought about it. Two years later... (laughs) I get a phone call from Dr. Jean Ford, who was head of pulmonary medicine then. He said, Peggy, I've got to tell you, our findings are astonishing. We're finding that asthma prevalence is three to five times higher in Harlem than it is anywhere else in New York City. And that was our first real grasp of the data and the power of that. And We've been involved in a cohort study of 720 pregnant women and the children that have been born to them, and we have followed those children now over the last 10 years. So the women wore backpack air monitors while they were pregnant, and dust samples have been taken in their homes. And so we were able to understand the diesel exposure of those mothers, and what we have found is that the resulting children have been sensitized in utero to PAHs, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, which are found in diesel soot. And we know that diesel soot is uh, carcinogen, and the finest, the smallest particles are very easily breathed in and very hard to expel from the lungs. And so they really exacerbate asthma. But what we found in this study, that over 30% of the children had low birth weight, and developmental delays as a result of the diesel exposure of the mother. We've also found that spray pesticides, which many people use in their homes to get rid of roaches or other kinds of bugs, the exposure to those pesticides have caused low birth weight and developmental delays. Fortunately, two of the worst pesticides during this study were banned by the EPA, And it was very interesting that we were able to see in subsequent years the decrease of those chemicals in the blood of the newborn children. Shepard learned that evidence-based campaigns are very influential. She developed a relationship with the Columbia University School of Public Health and Environmental Health Research Center and parlayed it into community-based participatory research with WE Act's youth group called Earth Crew. 
So it's been a wealth of findings, and we've really been able to answer the question people asked. What are we being exposed to? Now the question is, what do you do about it? When the Earth Crew research study concluded that 75% of junior high school children had reduced pulmonary function just from living in or attending school in West Harlem, residents realized their families needed a lot more protection. We Act became the community watchdog and evolved into an environmental justice organization dedicated to helping the community make effective change. Working together, they brought reforms to the MTA, the Municipal Transit Authority. My organization started in 1988 suing the MTA. Well, we kept up an 18-year campaign. We have successfully, through our advocacy, gotten diesel retrofits on every bus, and now the MTA boasts that it is the cleanest fleet in the country. It's the largest fleet in the country, and also they are now converting the fleet to hybrids. We have gotten legislation around diesel retrofits on school buses, the dirtiest vehicles on the road, diesel retrofits for construction vehicles you might see all over a city spewing forth, you know, black soot. We got a strong lead poisoning prevention bill, green building legislation, just a variety of legislation that really goes to the findings around pesticide exposure and diesel exposure. And so as part of this partnership, our role has been to translate the research into policy change. Peggy Shepard helped a whole community find its power and make dramatic and lasting change. When we return, community organizer Mary Gonzalez shares a crucial strategy for building sustainable coalitions. This is Don't Mourn, Organize, Power and Passion for Environmental Justice and Democracy. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. You can download this and other programs at the radio pages at Bioneers.org. Many years ago, community organizer Mary Gonzalez got a very good piece of advice from her husband. Do not complain about how other people behave. Change your behavior in a way that forces someone else to change theirs. First, I want you to ask yourself why you give a damn about it. And it has to be a profound reason, and you've got to really think about it, and it cannot be a head reason. It cannot be an intellectual exercise. It has to be something that comes out of your life experience, out of your gut, out of your whatever you've seen in your lifetime. In the mainly Latino Pilsen neighborhood on Chicago's west side, Mary Gonzalez learned community organizing in the cradle from her mother a former domestic worker who became so powerful that the mayor decided he couldn't pass anything in Pilsen without her support. Early on, Mary started advocating for the rights of Pilsen's immigrant residents and went on to co-found the Gamaliel Foundation, the same organization that trained Barack Obama in community organizing. Early in her career, as the founding director of the Metropolitan Alliance of Congregations, She also helped bring together a diversity of faith communities representing many races, income levels, and cultures. 
She continues faith-based environmental justice organizing in the United States, Canada, and South Africa as the Western Territory Director for Gamaliel. I'm an organizer. I'm a professional organizer. I've been doing that since 1980. And I want to begin by telling you why. When I was a kid, I grew up in Chicago, and I was the only Spanish-speaking child in the whole neighborhood. And the first thing I heard when I went to public school was, no espanol. So I didn't speak for two years because I had to give myself the time to learn the language. But despite that, I remember this was after World War II, and every now and then when I'd go to a movie, there were sometimes war movies. I was always amazed that the United States won in all the war movies. And in my I was a good Catholic girl, and in my heart I said, we win because we're good. We're good people. Right? We are good people. And I'd look at the flag, and I was so proud that for some reason God had bestowed upon me the honor to be born in the United States versus any other part of the world. So by the time I was eight years old, I vowed that when I was 14, I, like all the other eighth graders got a chance to do, would carry the American flag in the ceremony on Flag Day. But even then, there was conflict in my life as a child because I already had been asked a hundred times what country I'd been born in. I had already been called a dirty spick. I had already begun to feel the tension that I was different, that I didn't belong, that I couldn't hang around with all the kids that hung around together, that something was weird about me. I was weird because my ears were pierced. And so I already knew I was different, but somehow I had this dream and belief that because I lived in America, that it was ultimately all going to work out. So I did carry the flag when I was 14, but by the time I was 16, I was becoming very politicized. I was beginning to understand because I was watching the ways in which my parents were talked at. They were never talked to. They were talked at. The way my father was considered just a mule, you know, available any day at any hour to work in this very hot place that he worked in in a steel mill. And there was some tension in me that while at I, certainly I believe that all people were created equal. I began to understand that some were more equal than others. And I think that's a lot of what brought me into organizing. But I began to understand that there were systems that were intentionally passing policies that were going to consistently deny me. They were going to deny my children. They did deny my father. They denied every single neighbor I lived with. And it was going to continue. And that someone had to do something. Now, I thought, well, I'll bake a cake for whoever wants to have a meeting. You know, that's my contribution. But fortunately, I was introduced to organizing. And so I began to be hauled by my Catholic church into meetings, dragged kicking and screaming into these meetings, began to understand the role that I could play. So now I've been at it professionally for 30 years. Mary Gonzalez told a Bioneers audience about one strategy she uses to build coalitions. What she did in California's Ventura County was an elaborate dance to bridge the gap between the Malibu rich and the Oxnard poor in what could otherwise have been a class war. A team of eight leaders met with me and they said, for three and a half years, we've been fighting the largest mining company in the world. They're going to build a liquefied natural gas facility off our coast. They're going to put the pipes right under our houses, under our schools, under our playgrounds. We're terrified. Earthquakes, leaks, poison. What do we do? And everything we've done so far hasn't worked. I said, what have you done? 
Well, they did all the nice things that good people do. They wrote letters. They signed petitions. They testified. And yet, everything moved forward. The governor said this is a great idea. Now, I have to tell you, they really wanted to put this facility, they designed it to be put in military airspace, because in military airspace, they do not have to adhere to environmental policy. Now, that space was right off of Malibu, but by God, why can you not put the pipes under Malibu? So they said, we got to add seven miles of pipeline and put it under Oxnard because those people are poor and they can't do a damn thing. Right? And that's true. Mostly brown and black people, a lot of immigrants, a lot of poor, a lot of working class people in that town or in that region. So I said, hmm, we have to talk to Malibu. So I sat down with this team and I created a very fascinating strategy. And I have to tell you the trick I used. I said, when's the decision? Uh, and they gave me the date, and I looked at the calendar and said, that is six weeks away. Six weeks! And they said, yes, and, and I looked at the calendar, and they were all sitting there so worried. And I said, but wait a minute, that's Easter Monday. And they said, yeah, so what? I said, well, what happened Easter Sunday? The resurrection. So what happens Easter Monday? And they said, we don't know. I said, you win Easter Monday. Now, I have to tell you, they don't know me from anyone. And they say, well, if she says we're going to win, I guess we're going to win. But I wanted to inspire them that they could win, right? So we put together a campaign. Six weeks later, we had the hearing. You nice people set up a meeting hall because it was a hearing, and certainly citizens could come and speak. And they set up about 100 chairs because they figured they were going to have an overflow for this meeting. 3,000 people showed up. Now, 3,000. Now, here's how it got done. The Malibu people were angry because they didn't want to look out of their breakfast window and see that ugly thing out there. They didn't care about the pipes. They weren't going to go out. So I said to them, by God, no one should have to look out that window and see that ugly piece of trash out there. I'm with you. Now, the beachfront people said, we're worried about the whales. I said, you know, I, I can't sleep thinking about the whales. <laughs> I absolutely agree. The poor said, I don't want the pipes underneath my house. Well, I agree. I'd be afraid of an explosion. So beginning to understand what was in the heart of every single person who might become engaged, I had to listen to that. I couldn't just say, come help the poor. I had to say, come help yourself. Come help yourself. Don't help me. Help yourself. All right? So, so... The day that the hearing happens, the movie stars are there from Malibu, sitting next to the strawberry pickers, right? Sitting next to the landowners on the beachfront, sitting next to the people from Thousand Oaks, sitting next to the Santa Barbara people. All right, so now I got wealthy people, middle-class people, working-class people, the poor. I got immigrants. I got black people, brown people, white people. I got kids. About 1,000 kids showed up. I got everyone is there. The church is there blessing the ocean. All the politicians are there, right? It was a convening of self-interest, all right? You bring together a variety of self-interest all with one agenda. Stop that damn thing. The public testimony took 12 hours. In the end, the California State Lands Commission stopped the proposed gas facility. Mary Gonzalez succeeded in building an improbable alliance of common interests. 
So there's risk involved in creating change, right? It's transformative. And the key thing you've got to understand is that if you don't understand your own story, please do not get involved in this work because you feel sorry for brown or black people. All right? I don't need a pity party. I need partners. Right? So begin to look internally and say, where have I experienced Every single person in America that I've met has experienced some type of oppression. Where have I experienced oppression? What does being American mean to me? What does the flag mean to me? Like Mary Gonzalez, Peggy Shepard of We Act keeps raising the bar. Today she's organizing around the most urgent issues of our time, climate change and food security. Ten years ago, no one would have predicted that a beautiful waterfront park would grow on the banks of the Hudson River at 125th Street. It exists because once West Harlem residents realized they could stop the bad things happening in their neighborhood, they understood that they had the power to create good things, too. Next on their list, community-run grocery stores offering affordable, healthy foods. Public policy has got to be based on mutual respect and justice for all of us, free from discrimination or bias. EJ leaders, environmental justice leaders, have really built power and a passion for democratic environmental decision-making from the streets and the fields, from City Hall to Congress, because we understand that building power and democracy is at the heart of building robust, sustainable communities. It's at the heart of our own sustainability, how we evolve as a planet, as a nation, or as a neighbor. Thank you very much. Peggy Shepard of We Act for Environmental Justice and Mary Gonzalez of the Gamaliel Foundation, leading the movement for environmental justice and democracy. Don't mourn. Organize. Power and passion for environmental justice and democracy. Downloads of this program and many other Bioneers radio shows are available on the radio pages at Bioneers.org or by calling one 877 That's 877-246-6337. Visit Bioneers.org where you can learn how to attend the annual October Bioneers National Conference and local beaming Bioneers conferences. Purchase the radio series, conference CDs and DVDs, and Bioneers books. Join the thriving online Bioneers community and become a Bioneers member or make a donation. All at Bioneers.org or by calling one 877 The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management, Aaron Leventman and Chuck Castleberry. Station relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Focus Audiovisual. Our interview recording engineer is Jeff Westman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Manifest Spirit Music at www.manifestspirit.com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. 
The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 1010. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.